would you turn with me to the book of Philippians. Tonight we're looking at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Now normally we take a, a, a passage, a paragraph, a chapter, uh, 12 verses, something like that. Well tonight we're just taking one verse and we're going to critically examine it and see what it teaches. Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to actually put it in its context, though. We'll start reading at verse 3, and we'll come down to verse 8. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we know that we need your Holy Spirit to help us understand your word and to apply it and then to live it out. And we pray that he will be our helper now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Please keep your Bibles open there. John Handron Cook is a delivery driver from Nottinghamshire who one Monday in 2017 received a knock on his door from two uh, uniformed police officers. Apparently they wanted to come into his house and search his house, which they did in every single room and every single cupboard, uh, because John had been flagged up by eBay as a potential terror threat, which... Uh, is uh, something they do apparently. They do monitor what we buy and uh, work with the police. Uh, But they had noticed that he was buying a very large amount of fertilizer and plastic tubes. And truth be told, what they were worried about was that he was a terrorist, that he was making pipe bombs, and he was uh, uh, planning a terror threat. But it didn't take too long for the 47-year-old to reassure the officers that all was well. Because you see, John is actually a competition gardener. And what he grows is super-sized vegetables. In fact, just that September, he took the first place for his uh, 70-pound marrow and 29-inch runner beans. Imagine that in a competition. He said, I buy fertilizer in bulk to get the price down. Thankfully, the police officers seemed quite satisfied when I gave them the tour of the vegetable patches and I was able to prove I was growing giant veg, not making bombs. (laughs) Well, I tell that story because it adds a little bit of drama to something that actually seems quite mundane, uh, doesn't it? Which is growing vegetables. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, I love, I love vegetables, I love eating them, uh, but growing them doesn't really excite me. It's too long, it's too slow, and it requires plenty of water, most of it in sweat. 
Uh, I sympathize more with the little boy who was helping his grandfather dig up his potatoes. And he said, what I want to know, granddad, is why you buried these things in the first place. <laughs> so, that's my type of gardening sense. And yet, there is a profound connection, isn't there, between gardening and the Christian life. You see, when we become Christians, the Bible says it is because God has planted his seed in our life. And that seed is the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter says about the Christians, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's how we become Christians. We have the Bible planted in our hearts by faith as we hear it and uh, we believe it. And new life is formed in our hearts, spiritual life, which generates uh, faith in Jesus Christ. As James says, we receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, just like a seed being planted. But then what follows is spiritual growth. Just like the fruit and veg and the plants grow, so they have to be nurtured, watered, cultivated and brought on to a mature potential. So that's what has to happen in the Christian life as well. After the seed has been planted and come to life, then we have to have spiritual growth. And that's what we call in Christianity sanctification. Becoming a mature and holy Christian. Sanctification. It really means to become a saint. Not somebody who's in a stained glass window. But somebody who's a, a, a mature holy Christian. Now the two things are distinct. Don't get confused between salvation and sanctification. They're not the same. But having said that you can't have one without the other. You can't bypass salvation to get to sanctification and just start living the Christian life and trying to grow as a Christian unless you've been born again. But equally, you can't have the new birth without the sanctification that follows afterwards. They go together hand in hand. And what the Apostle Paul is thanking uh, God for here in this passage of scripture is the Philippians sanctification, their spiritual growth. It's actually a part of a unit in verses 3 to 8 where when he's opening this letter to this church which he planted, you remember back in Acts chapter 16 when he uh, was uh, at Philippi and he was put in jail there after preaching the gospel and uh, the, the deliverance of the girl with the demon. It's uh, a part of a unit that he was writing to this church that he planted with thanksgiving to, the, to God for the believer's service in verses 3 to 5, their sanctification in verse 6, and their sharing in verses 7 to 8. Their service to God was that they were partakers with him in the work of the gospel. They were in the fellowship of the gospel with him from the first day until now. In other words, they helped support Paul financially and keep him going in the preaching of the word. And they were themselves witnessing for the Lord as well. In the, st in the sharing, they shared in what God was working and producing in, Christ, in Paul's life. He said, you're all partakers with me of grace in verse 7, for which he gave thanks to God. But in the middle, he talks about their sanctification here in verse 6. And tonight I want us to look at this one verse in the middle uh, about this very important aspect of Christian life. 
Because uh, sanctification is something we need to know and understand. And I want us to see it under four headings. I want us to see that sanctification is a guaranteed work. It is God's work. It is a good work. And it is a growing work. And it's all here in this one verse, which uh, I've put up on the screen as well from the New King James Version, so that it'll keep it constantly in your mind, that that's where we're getting this teaching from. I'm not making this up, we're preaching the Bible, and uh, we're teaching what the verse says. So first of all then, we see that sanctification, spiritual growth in the Christian life, is a guaranteed work. It says in verse 6, being confident of this very thing and then going on and talking about their sanctification being confident of this very thing you know i read an interesting thing in the paper some time back it said you know the british are meant to be a nation of gardeners but in fact three out of four of us can't even keep a plant alive and if you've had a pot plant that's died this year, then uh, you're allowed to blush, okay? It's a, it's a, but you're not the only one. Lots of us uh, are not actually very good uh, at gardening. And, and many of us could not guarantee the growth of what we plant or what we do. I've got some uh, pots that are hidden slightly out of view at the moment because they had some dahlias in from last year that should, in theory, come back this year. But at the moment, I'm not really very sure if they're going to or not. And so I'm just keeping them sort of out of sight just in case they don't. So I don't have any embarrassment from it. Uh, They're getting enough sunshine and water, but uh, they're not getting much visibility. But you know what? When it comes to spiritual growth in the Christian life, if we're really born again, then this is something that is a guaranteed work of God. And Paul was, felt this way about the believers in Philippi. He says he was confident of the fact that God was going to bring this spiritual work in their lives. Now, that word confident in the Greek According to Harold Berry in his book on uh, the treasures of the, of the Greek uh, in this, in, in this uh, passage, he says that the confidence Paul has here is, is an echo of a confidence he felt originally. And that's what the Greek is saying. It was something he felt when he, when he knew them, that they were saved. When he was there, he planted the church and he saw Lydia give her life to the Lord and, and uh, the Philippian jailer get saved, as we see in Acts chapter 16. And he knew that God was going to work in them. Well, he said, I still have that same confidence now. I still have that in my heart now, that you're going to grow. And he is being confident of this very thing. Now, what was the ground of his confidence? The ground of his confidence was what he'd already seen happening in verse 5. He said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. They were uh, showing their faith in their work straight away by supporting Paul in his work and uh, helping him. You know, uh, there's a lovely story about the actor Will Rogers, the the cowboy actor in America, who uh, was uh, a bit of a character. And on one occasion, he went to uh, a passport office and they said, well, we need uh, we need a copy of your birth certificate. And uh, he said, well, what do you need that for? And they said, well, we we need proof of your birth. And he said, well, I'm here and I (laughs) that's my sort of logic. You know, (laughs) you know, how do you know? If someone's a real Christian, you know it by the work of God that's going on in their life. 
But it's a guaranteed work that God is going to go on producing spiritual life in that person. You know, we read Psalm 183 earlier on, didn't we? And what did it say in the last verse of that psalm? It said that God will perfect that which concerns me. He'll perfect that. In other words, God's going to go on doing that which he started. And uh, that's a guaranteed work. Like old Magnus Magnuson, do you remember in the mastermind? Some of you are old enough to remember. Okay, I've started, so I'll finish. And it's a guaranteed work in the Christian life. Paul was confident of this very thing. And uh, he was trusting that it would go on uh, in the future as well. And by the way, this is, this is our grounds of assurance, isn't it? We know that when we're saved, God is going to work in us. It's not just something if we truly trusted in Christ and truly lay hold, put our faith in Christ who died on the cross for our sins, then we will mature as a believer as we walk with him. You know, that was a, a battleground for this lady. Uh, this was Catherine Booth, the, the wife of the Salvation Army man, uh, William Booth. You've heard of the Salvation Army, I expect. Well, this was uh, his dear wife. Uh, And when she was a young girl, she was a a born-again Christian, and she was a strong Bible reader, and she uh, was fervent in prayer, but she really lacked assurance. She really lacked assurance. And she kept praying about it to the Lord and laying it before the Lord. And she would have actually, this is how spiritual she already was, she would have her Bible and her hymn book that she loved under her pillow at night. She would sleep with her head on it, underneath her pillow. And she would pull them out in the morning and read them. What a beautiful thing. And one morning she opened uh, the hymn book and the, the words of the hymn said this, My God, I am thine. What a comfort divine. What a blessing to know that Jesus is mine. And in a flash, it was as if the words thine and mine were illuminated. It was as if God was saying, you're mine. You're mine. I'm working in your life. This is a guaranteed work when we come to faith in Christ. So what an encouragement. I hope and pray that will encourage you too. Second thing I want you to see is that it is God's work. Sanctification is not only a guaranteed work, it's God's work in verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you. Now I want you to draw uh, in your mind, or if you want to mark your Bible, a little box around the word he. He who has begun a good work in you. Salvation is God's work and the work of making a person sanctified and a saint is God's work. He began the work in you. And uh, I know that doesn't match some people's theology, but if it doesn't match your theology, then get your theology to match the Bible. (laughs) Because the Bible teaches that salvation is God's work. It's not our work. We didn't begin it. Some people say, oh, it began when I said a prayer. Wrong. God was at work. God began. Your, the reason you said a prayer was because God had begun a work in you. <laughs> and his sovereign work was going on there. You know, I, uh, I saw, coming back to the old gardening thing, I saw Monty Don got an OBE uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, for his great work on the Gardener's World program and, you know, all the wonderful gardening. But you know what? 
He didn't make anything grow. He didn't make anything. Yeah, he watered it. And like Paul said in the, in the book of Corinthians, I, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. And it's God who makes things grow. And that's true spiritually as it is physically. And it's God who made our spiritual life begin. And it's, it's he who began that good work in us. And, and that's a tremendous thing to lay hold on. Matthew Henry said the work of grace is, sorry, he, he said, uh, we could not begin it ourselves, for we are by nature dead in trespasses and sins. And what can dead men do towards raising themselves to life? It is God who quickens those who are thus dead. And he was right. I saw this story in the paper about a lady who was gardening and she had a, a serious fall off a ladder and she broke her back. Can you imagine how painful that must be? And she immediately, she had a mobile phone, brilliant inventions at a time like this, aren't they? And she was able to call her daughters who came running around. They phoned for an ambulance straight away and it took two hours to get them there. And then she went to a and and she had a five-hour wait to get... I'm not blaming you, Eduardo. So. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it was a long time. And she had that serious fall. What a, what a long wait and delay. But, you know, thinking of that, that poor lady and, and the situation she was in, that's, that's not the first gardener to have a fall. Do you know, the history of the human race began with a gardener called Adam who had a serious fall. In the Garden of Eden, he sinned, and, and man has been ruined uh, as a result ever since then. And we can't help ourselves, and therefore we need God to help us, and God to do it in us. And uh, salvation is God's work, and sanctification is God's work in us too. And I want you to see this, okay? It's a work that God begins in us, and and helps us on with. If you go over to chapter 2 verse 12. You'll see Paul goes on talking about this theme a little bit later on. He says therefore my beloved. As you have always obeyed. Not in my presence only. But now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now what I want you to notice. He says work out not work for. You're not earning your salvation. All right? He says, work it out. Let, you, know, you, you take what God has done and work it out. And, you, and, and, and that's our part in the cooperation. But look at verse 13. He says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The, the reason we work it out is because he works it in. And that's an encouragement as well, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I'm going to heaven, not because of what I do for God, not my work for God, but because of God's work for me. That's the gospel. If you think you're going to heaven because of your work for God, you're not saved. The way of salvation is not by our works, it's by God's work. And his work uh, from the beginning and right through to the end. So, it's God's work. Then, thirdly, we see... It is a good work. You notice he says there in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you. He who has begun a good work in you. Now, salvation is 
a good work. Uh, One commentator by the name of Robert Gromacki said this, It is good, and the Greek word there is agathon, uh, in that it corresponds to the very nature of God, who alone is good in and of himself. And he's right. Uh, Another commentator uh, said this, um, I've lost my place, my notes. Uh, The work of grace is a good work. It makes us like God and fits us for the enjoyment of God. And it's true, it's good in that way. It produces good things in us. It produces Christ-likeness in us, which is a good thing. And so it's a good work. But I want to actually draw your attention to the word work. In the word Greek, it's the word ergon, which is where we get our word energy from. And it is a work. It's a work of God. Now, in this respect, it is different from salvation. I don't know if you've ever seen this little book. Uh, you might see them sometimes in the back of old churches like ours. It's called The Shorter Catechism with Scripture Proofs. And uh, this goes back to about the 1600s when some great some great theologians came together to to put down like a systematic theology, a a summary of Christian beliefs. And uh, it's done in a question and answer format. And there's three questions in a row on this subject of salvation and sanctification. And these questions, 33, 34, and 35, are what is justification, what is adoption, and what is sanctification? All right. Justification is an act of God's free grace. And then it goes on and explains. Adoption is an act of God's free grace. And then it goes on and explains. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace. Now, did you notice I used a different word for that third one? The other two were said to be an act of God. This is a work of God. You see, when you become a Christian, you put your trust in Christ. You're not starting to get saved, and you're not going to get a little bit more saved every time you read your Bible. You know, like I had a Chinese man in, in the church I grew up in, and he said, Pastor, he said, I feel now I am 10% Christian. Next week I'd be 20% Christian. I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble. But 30% Christian in three weeks' time. You know. And the pastor had to explain, no, when you trust in Christ, it's immediate. You pass from death to life immediately. You're born again immediately. You're saved immediately. It's an act of God. Instant. But then sanctification is a work of God, a work that God does in our lives over a process. If you want a a good illustration of this, think about marriage. Okay, It's my privilege sometimes to marry people. And we stand at the front of this church here and they come together. We had a a lovely wedding a few years ago. And, uh, you know, these two people come in the door and they stand there. And uh, they're, they're two single people and they come in. And uh, they, they make vows to each other, okay? They, you know, it's the, it's the uh, terms of combat. And then uh, they exchange knuckle dusters, okay? And uh, what I then say is then when they've made their vows to each other is I declare you man and wife. Now think about that. Nothing has changed. There's still two people in their best clothes 
looking the smartest they've ever looked in their lives, just standing there where they were five seconds ago. But I have now declared them man and wife. And the, the registrar who's sitting in that room, room, as soon as she hears that, she writes it down and it's a done deal. They are now husband and wife. He said, but nothing's changed. They're just there. You've just made a declaration. That's right. And you know what? Salvation is when God declares us righteous for trusting in Christ, justified by faith. He declares it. But when they walk out that room, the wedding is over and the marriage begins. And that's, that's where they work out their marriage, what, 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 what has happened here. And sanctification is God working it out in our lives and helping us to walk with him. And it is a good work. And remember, it's a work that takes time. And that's what I want to come on to in the next part. Because uh, it is a growing work. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a growing work. You know, one of the things I find a lot of people uh, get frustrated with is that they don't see the progress in themselves that they want to see. Normally, that means one of two things. Uh, Normally, it means either that they're not aware that they are growing or they are aware that they are growing but they're not aware. <laughs> now, how do I mean by that? Sometimes when you start maturing as a Christian, your standards get higher. You know, I never cared before about what words I used. But when I become a Christian, I start thinking more about my words. And now I'm aware that I'm saying words I don't want to say. And I've got to eliminate those from my vocabulary. I never cared about it through, you know, before I was saved. But you see... There's a new awareness. And as you go on in the Christian life, you start growing in because you become more and more aware as, as you go. And uh, this is something we need to take, in, take to heart. Growing is, is a slow process. Like growing vegetables. You know, you can sit and watch them and nothing happens. But it is a work that is actually happening. Spurgeon put it like this in his book Limitless Love. He said, if you cannot see yourself growing in grace as you would like to, do not be surprised. When a farmer goes out to look at his root crops, you know, those crops that grow under the ground like beetroots and potatoes and stuff, he's not so much concerned with the appearance of the part above the ground, the little green bit on the top, as with the part that's out of sight. Likewise, a Christian does much of his growing underground, as it were, growing in grace, knowledge, love and humility. Of course, he might not have many virtues and graces that are visible to other people or even to himself. Sanctification is wrought in the saints according to the will of God, but it is a secret work. In due time, belief will replace doubt and the fruit of it will be manifest even as the farmer at the proper season digs up his roots and rejoices that his labor has not been extended upon them in vain. I find that very encouraging. You know, it is a growing work that God is doing. He's begun it and he is working it in us. He's completing it. He will bring it to completion or perfection as it is translated in other places. Uh, And we ought to remember that the God who began it is the God who will finish it. 
It says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 that the Lord Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. So what he has begun, he will complete. Those two words actually were used uh, in Greek, in the Greek culture, of a sacrifice that was used, a pagan sacrifice. Uh, that the, the, the Philippians would have understood this from their culture when they had uh, sacrifices for things like the Olympic Games and so on. Uh, and they didn't, weren't all animal sacrifices. They had one sacrifice where they would uh, light a flaming torch like the Olympic torch and they would put it in water and the athletes would drink the water. And it was supposed to give them, you know, uh, superpower and strength and it was supposed to be a a sacrifice to their Greek gods. Well, the lighting was the beginning and then the drinking was the ending and the two were a part of the whole. Well, those those two Greek words are what Paul uses here. It's a part of the whole. It's a part of the whole. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it uh, uh, to the day of Jesus Christ. Charles Wesley put it like this in his hymn, finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless may we be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. It's a a wonderful thing. Now, what I want you to notice is uh, Paul says that this is going to be culminated in the day of Jesus Christ. He goes on until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, why does he say that? Because surely, you know, the day of Jesus Christ, I ought to say, by the way, is a phrase used several times in scripture for the day that... uh, is the day the Lord Jesus comes for his church. Okay, it's the day the Lord Jesus comes for his church, the day of Christ. Different to the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a time of judgment on the earth, the great tribulation, but the day of Jesus Christ is the day when Christ comes again for his church, and that's when it will be complete. Now, why does he say uh, it's going to be completed then? Why does it not say that it'll be completed at a certain stage in our lives? Well, the reason is this. You and I are not sanctified alone. See, here's a, it's a fascinating thing. This verse, Paul says, I'm glad of what God has begun in you. The word you is a, is a, is a word for plural. It's a plural thing. It's what God is doing in all his church. And he's bringing us all to perfection. And he's waiting until all of us get there. You see, we like to think that you can sanctify a Christian one by one. But God says, I'm sanctifying all of you. And it will only be finished when all of you are ready. You know, if you go to Kensington Palace, you can see the beautiful tulip gardens. The Diana tulip gardens. Apparently, Lady Diana, Princess Diana, loved tulips. And uh, it's full of thousands and thousands of tulips. I'd love to go there with my mom and show her that. I know she'd love it. But can you imagine that whole garden without the particular tulip, which is called the Diana tulip? You'd say, no, that'd be mad. This is, you know, there's a particular tulip named after Lady Diana. It would be mad not to have it in the tulip garden. You'd be right. It would be incomplete without it, even though you had all the others. And if you and I don't get sanctified, the whole won't be sanctified. 
It's something that God is doing with all of us to bring all of us together to perfection in Christ. So as he's working in you, he's working in me. And uh, together, eventually, we will be ready uh, in heaven to, to, to be a sanctified body completed uh, before him. So let's take great encouragement that God is at work to produce this in his people. Paul said there are three days, there are three days uh, in his experience with the Philippians. You'll notice in verse 5 he said, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day. That was the day he preached the gospel to them. The second day is when he says until now, that's the day he was writing this. And then the third day is that last day, the day of Jesus Christ. And God had his hand on each one of those days and will do. Sanctification is God's work in us to bring us to Christ-likeness. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then rest assured he is doing this work in you.